Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business. With me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision? And how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Project Future podcast. Firstly this week, I must offer congratulations to my wife Trang and her fine jewellery company Kim Zhu for being shortlisted in not one but two categories in the prestigious UK Jewellery Awards for Young Designer of the Year and Ethical Jewellery Business of the Year. Trang currently has a competition live to name the collection that has been shortlisted for these awards. So if you're listening before the end of June 2021, go to her website, kimjou.com, which is K-I-M-J-O-U-X, and enter the competition for your chance to win a beautiful gold pendant worth £900. In any business, it's great to have external validation. And that's also a nice segue into today's episode, as Trang has worked with my guest, Sophie Southmaid, over the last couple of years, and her real-world success justifies what you'll learn from Sophie on the show today. Originally from Montreal, Sophie is a digital marketing expert who began her career in Paris and now lives in London. Having worked in the beauty and fashion industries for over a decade, she's worked directly with hundreds of SMEs as well as industry giants. She launched Sophie Southmaid Consulting, known as Social Southmaid, in 2018, which offers digital marketing solutions and content creation for all social media platforms. They are social media experts who take the time to get to know a brand's ethos, creating content with the right tone of voice, all while utilizing their expertise in optics for better brand awareness. In this conversation, Sophie explains how she spotted the opportunity to start her own agency whilst an employee, what she does on a quiet day to continue growing the business, why you should always find out a client's budget, how you can establish your social media tone of voice, the social media etiquette to follow, why consistency is key, how you can manage your community, why the metric you should be looking at isn't followers, how you can be authentic online, why a video is non-negotiable, and the top three things you need to succeed. Her best advice is not to worry so much. Let's have a listen. Hi Sophie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, I'm delighted to have you here today. And of course, you've, you've been a, a contributor to Project Future and have worked with Trang in the past, my wife. So you're yeah, very excited to learn more about your journey and how you've got to where you are today. So I wonder if you can start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you came to start your business. 
Sure. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I know that you've had some amazing people on here already, so I feel very honored to be part <laughs> of you. this journey with you. So yeah, I, I guess a little bit about me. I was in fashion. Well, I was in beauty for two years when I first started my career. And um, I was like that eager kid in the classroom that like if there was a guest speaker, I was like, can I get an internship with you? I was like always raising my hand and always I feel like I'm like a natural salesperson, like just always like, hey, can I help you with that? Can I do it? You know, <laughs> so I started off in beauty um, and I was working in Paris and uh, specifically with Sephora, but with a hair care company. And then I moved back to my native Montreal. So I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm from Montreal originally. And I started working in fashion and specifically in wholesale fashion. So um, for, for people who maybe don't know what that is, it meant that I had the rights to distribute um, all across Canada. And I would go to shows in New York and LA and Vegas, um, selling these collections um, to my Canadian suppliers and meeting with the, the US head offices. Um, so I did that for, um, I guess, seven years. And I was just really missing Europe. I had studied in Europe and thought, okay, well, what could be my next step? And I thought, okay, well, like London makes sense. It's English. <laughs> I can move there quite easily. And, you know, there's an amazing kind of connection between Canada and the UK where if you're under 30, you can go and study or work or whatever for two years, no questions asked. So there was no, there was no visa, you know, hurdle that I had to jump through. So I uh, moved there and I very luckily got a job at working for Ralph Lauren. And I worked specifically in their creative department. Um, so when we say, you know, Ralph Lauren creative, it's quite a cool side of the business because it's all of the interiors and it's a lot of the visuals. So, you know, you pick out, you know, if there was the children's department, you'd buy like, you know, an old vintage bicycle and, you know, you'd see like, okay, well, what sweaters go well next to this bicycle? And, you know, so, so that was a, a really cool side of the business that I really am, like, as I said before, I think that I really like working with people. And I, I think that probably my strong suit is sales. And I was just wasn't being challenged. And I, you know, spoke to HR and and they said that they they were launching the first ever styling department in Europe and they wanted me to be the first stylist that they that they hired. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what right. I, I didn't go to fashion school, you know. <laughs> I was like very honored, but I felt like total imposter syndrome, like total like, why are you choosing me? But again, I was, you know, wanted to rise to the challenge and wanted to, you know, just again, like kind of like exude confidence, like, yeah, of course I can do this. But one of my main, like one of the main parts of the job was that I had to bring in what we call high net worth individuals. So it's the VIP program. So really developing the VIP program within Ralph Lauren. And I didn't know anyone. I just moved to London, you know? So it was like, yeah, how am I going to meet these people? So I started an Instagram account because it was growing and it was free. And, you know, all I had to do was really take some pictures and post it on my feed and people could get to know me as a stylist. So it was a great, you know, way for me to show my portfolio. And that was a great way for me to meet people. So I grew that while I was in the styling department. And again, the styling department grew. We had multiple stylists and then I started, you know, kind of um, running that side of the business at Ralph Lauren. All while I was doing this thing on Instagram and getting, you know, more and more followers, 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, thousand followers. And I realized that I really loved that. I really loved getting to know that side of social media and I was getting a lot of people that were asking me for help because they were seeing that I was growing. They're like, well, like, can you help me with my business and help my business grow? And um, 
I just kind of had like a bit of a light, a light bulb moment, I guess, and um, decided that I wanted to, to start working in social media and found my own agency. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, going back to the the comment you made about the, the imposter syndrome and the, you know, being the stylist there, whenever those things come up, I always think, you know, somebody in HR, somebody within the business has spotted the talent there. They've spotted that you can raise to that level. And, you know, sometimes it can be hard, you know, whether it's as your own boss or as an employee, as you were in, at, at that time, to go, oh, I, I, I can't do it. But if somebody thinks you can, then that probably means that you can, <laughs> you know, and I, mm. I think that's and, and clearly, you know, you, you thrived when you were in that position and then had the visibility of, of the wider aspects of the business and the, the opportunities that you took and created. I dare say you created the opportunity with with Instagram and and saw that that was a, a growing medium. But at the same time, it was underutilized at the time, I dare say, and and have kind of pushed that forwards. And, yeah, I, I just love how you've looked at the situation that you were in made it happen and then realized that the foundation was there to kind of step out and, and go your own way effectively. Thank you. Yeah. I think that it was really just like, uh, like survival at that point. I was like, <laughs> like, you know, I think there's like nothing that will like light a fire under you more than I need to make more money and I need to keep my job or I'm going back to Canada and I do not want to go back to Canada. <laughs> so I think that there was a bit of desperation probably that helped fuel that, but yeah yeah thank you it's it was a very good decision yeah fantastic so what happened after you created the agency what what was the next step (laughs) well the first step was that I, I got my first client and she actually had been one of my best clients at, at Ralph Lauren and she wanted you know, she had this amazing um, crystal business and she you know wanted to launch it wasn't really sure how and she was you know so creative and you know had an amazing eye for buying but just didn't know how to piece things together um, and I think I was maybe I was maybe quite good at that that I could you know see okay well this is where we want to go to. And, you know, these are like A, B, C, and D in in order to get there. So she was my first client. And it was really kind of like a master's degree, I want to say. It was kind of like my final like feather in my cap for my education, I think, because like, fortunately, she was learning on the job, I was learning on the job. And and so so it's just this, this amazing creative process where I kind of felt like, okay, oof, that really didn't work. And oh, wow, this really exploded. We need to do more of that. So that was really cool. So, and, and, you know, it was a small business. I really resonated with that. But I guess one of the big things that, you know, made it into an agency was that I got a major skincare company to get interested. And, and, you know, it's it's a US skincare company, but they wanted to launch their UK account. Well, they, they had a UK account, but they needed it to really grow and, and kind of flourish. And, and so that was really like the start of things. So you had a strong start. What did you do then to push the business forwards? I think that I had like a great website. I think I knew, like I really focused on putting a bow on my business and ma- making sure that it, at least, even if there wasn't that much going on, that if I wasn't busy, I was really building the branding around it. So like I you know, yeah. had a good website, I had a good Instagram, um, I had business cards that were cool and, you know, like just everything that, would make my business look maybe more successful than it was at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, maybe, maybe there was a bit of that. Yeah. 
No, that's great. And and it's so important, isn't it? You know, there's there's a section that I, I talk about in the book saying that you're never unemployed mm. as a new business owner. And I think when there are those quieter times, which there will be, you know, in, in the first couple of years, especially, there will be some some quieter moments. Uh, but to, to really utilize that time and to to make things as good as they can be, you know, so whether that's reaching out, networking or, you know, setting things up like a website, I should say, or, you know, whatever it may be, even if it's, you know, IP in, in terms of templates or, you know, whatever type of business you, you may run, there's so much that can be done on those days when there isn't necessarily any engagement with a client or delivery for a client. So I, I think that's such a key point that you make there in, in terms of how businesses can drive forwards and make the most of, of what may seem like a quiet day. Yeah, yeah. And I've spoken, you know, to a lot of entrepreneurs because I'm always like, again, I'm still like that girl raising her hand. I'm always going to networking events and stuff. So I've met a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think that that's something that I found that we have a lot in common is that like, I just I always feel the need to be busy. Um, And if I and if I'm not busy, then I, I kind of feel guilty, like I should be doing more. So I always found little things to do, whether it was even just interacting with my community online, like, you know, okay, today, I don't really have that much on. So I'm going to be on Instagram all day, just connecting with people, asking questions, you know, commenting on their pictures and stuff, you know. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I think, you know, you won't have heard this yet, but Matt in episode 25 said the same thing, you know, in terms of when COVID hit and he runs an events business. So it, everything kind of stopped and he was like, okay, so what's next? And Im- immediately kind of found solutions and found an alternative kind of products that he could start creating because, uh, you know, of that need to be busy and, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of, that you have to have something going on, you know, as, as an entrepreneur. And I, I think that's very much part of the mindset. So yeah, yeah. No, very well put. Okay, so in terms of what it is that you do in, in terms of the, the products, I know you're very keen to, you know, help your clients create content with the right tone. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that and and how you would work with a client to to make their tone of content as appropriate as it can be. So so I guess maybe the you know, one of the most important things when you um, speak to a client is really just finding out their budget because that's really what it comes down to with social media is that you know you I'm I think I'm quite good my agency is quite good at working with very small budgets because we work with a lot of startups and small businesses and I'm, I'm really passionate about that because I love to see you know businesses flourish you know I've worked with so many startups that are now small medium large businesses and it's rewarding to, to be part of that that journey so I would say the first conversation that I need to have with them is is budget um, because you know if, if we don't have access to photo shoots and video shoots, then we need to repurpose content that's already out in the world. And that's what's so great about social media is that it's all about sharing. It's all about um, community and I mean, sharing in a responsible way and sharing in a, it's not legal, it's, but it's um, sharing in a um, respectful way. You know, so for example, tagging people, if you're going to borrow someone's image, so for example, if it's um, a Vogue image that you want to be putting on your Instagram because you feel like it really resonates with your brand, then you would tag Vogue, you'd maybe tag the photographer in it. And, you know, social media is like kind of like the Wild West right now. It's not really regulated, but it's just like social media etiquette to do that. It's also just the right thing to do. Um, So, um, so yeah, so I would say that like, you know, in, in terms of establishing tone of voice, I always just like to have like, you know, like at least, you know, 
one sit down coffee with the client if they can make the time for it, where I really get to know um, their brand, their personal tone of voice too, because a lot of the time these small businesses will be speaking in their own tone of voice as opposed to their brand's tone of voice. So, you know, kind of figuring out where they want that to be. I think that like consistency is really important to think about because again, a lot of these entrepreneurs are juggling what they do best and then also throwing in social media because they know they need it, but they don't know what they're doing necessarily. So a lot of the time it'll be, oh, I posted every single day and then, you know, you know, then I um, had a conference I needed to go to. So I couldn't post that week, but then that just ruins all of your momentum on, yeah. on social media. So I think it's a lot of it is about educating the the client so that they know why they're working with us. And then, so I would say that's the first step is kind of educating them and into like what Instagram and the algorithm likes. And then we can establish tone of voice and I can maybe um, shed some light on what's trending and what I think the tone of voice should be given the climate of, you know, what's happening in 2021 and, you know, what's happening, you know, particularly in their markets. So, yeah, I, I think that's great. And, you know, I know from from working with Trang, you know, my, my wife, as as you have done, you know, how important that consistency side of thing has, has been to her, you know, and she does her stories every Sunday, I believe, on, on Instagram. And, and then she does a post, I think, every couple of days or something along those lines. And having that consistency, you know, it was uh, it was our daughter's birthday a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, she hadn't developed the story earlier in the week. So suddenly on the Sunday evening, after having two days of Bouncy Castle in the in the garden, we were she was like rushing around to create a story on the basis that people expect it don't they are after a while you know the audience kind of anticipates it and if if it doesn't happen then there's I I don't really know how to describe it but yeah you're you're potentially letting someone down you know it's so true you know I I always like to say like this is like something that I always say to my clients that you know it's like if you woke up in the morning and you turned on the tv to watch the news because it comes on at 7 a.m every day or you know whatever imagine one day you you turned turned it on and the news wasn't there you wouldn't necessarily trust that channel to give you what you needed every morning. So you'd move on to something else because there are, you know, a bunch of different networks out there that offer you the same thing. So it's, you know, it's about consistency. It's about building trust. And in this, in the world we're living in today, trust is extremely hard to get from people, you know? So you have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself worthy of that follow because people are constantly chopping they're constantly chopping they don't want to be following too many people because their feeds get saturated you know so that, and that's the challenge isn't it i say this is this is all relatively new to me as well you know i, I say i've got a strong links in as you know uh, that's been my focus instagram as itself is something that's relatively new for me as well so i've i've been fairly amazed about how beautiful some of the things that are on there are but also how time consuming they mm-hmm. are and and indeed how long it can take some businesses to see the impact of that because it's not an overnight thing is it in terms of the people won't just see something pretty and go and buy it you know or, or they won't necessarily do so especially depending on the price point and um, you know how how much is required in order to make that purchase so you know what would you su- suggest to somebody in, in terms of the community management aspect of it and and what they should be expecting to to do at, you know at a high level considering that you know people listening have very different types of businesses mm. That's a really good question. I, I think that, yeah, we just need to like manage expectations as much as possible. And I think that a lot of people will look at the follower count 
and they'll say, okay, well, you know, I want to get to 5,000 followers when really the metric you should be looking at is how engaged your audience is. Like I would much rather be working with an account that has a thousand followers and they have 200 likes, you know, that's a 20% engagement rate. That's fantastic. You know, whereas, you know, there are a lot of accounts out there that have a hundred, 200, you know, a million followers and will have a couple hundred, you know, likes per photo. And that signals to me that there's been some inauthenticity somewhere, you know, that there's been maybe some sort of um, inauthentic growth at some point, or just, you know, the audience is just not into whatever they're putting out there. Um, And a lot of businesses that I work with will say, well, you know, I really want to launch an influencer campaign. And, you know, I really have to analyze the influencers and what they're going to bring to the table because they're, you know, these are very expensive campaigns, right? You know, so you have these small businesses that will take, you know, the little budget that they have, put it on an influencer and not really know what they're doing. Um, And maybe the influencer, A, isn't speaking to the right audience or B, isn't as big as we might think they are. So we just, it's kind of, I, I try to teach people to read between the lines a little bit because you can get, you know, it can be a, a very expensive mistake for a business. So no, that's brilliant. And and I think, you know, you mentioned there about authenticity and, you know, I, I think from, from last time we spoke, certainly you spoke about how in, in fashion and things now, everything's a lot, you know, there, there's not that kind of heavy makeup or, you know, or that, that really, the, the heavy editing yeah. on things now. The, the so, filter, the constant filter, I think maybe. Yeah, indeed. So that that filter side of things that was there previously. So, you know, what would you say to people, again, regardless of their industry, about how they can be authentic online and, you know, how that tone of voice can really shine through as to who they are and who it is that they're trying to reach? I think the most successful accounts that I follow or that I manage really have a strong sense of self and are, you know, just completely themselves. And really put themselves out there as much like, for example, with with Chang's business, which is such a beautiful, you know, jewelry company. And, and that's like exactly the kind of business I love to support, you know, these women who kind of branched out on their own, you know, maybe had that corporate job and then decided they wanted to do their own thing. And um, one of the things I, I really pushed her to do, and I, I try to push all of you know my clients to do this, and it's not easy, is getting in front of the camera. And um, really getting to know your audience because there's nothing more authentic than, you know, um, putting your face out there, especially a face that isn't filtered, you know, where you're just kind of like, hi, I just put my kids to bed. I am exhausted from the day. Here's the latest collection. It is for the moms out there. It's for the working women who are working, you know, and I I love that. And I think that so many women and men will, will, will resonate with that. And that's what authenticity is it's about not putting a filter on things it's about not lying you know it's about like being completely true about what's happening and I think that people is certainly certainly the younger generations are really really calling for that so with the, you know the creation of TikTok for example everything the best TikTok videos that go viral are the ones that aren't edited you know that they're really quite raw you know it looks like a kid did it in their basement or whatever um, the ones that are really curated, you know, don't tend to do as well. So that's interesting, right? Because like, you know, in a, normally I grew up in the world of couldn't wait to get my Vogue through the door and, you know, see these glossy pages and unattainable beauty standards and whatever. And I think that in the next 10 years, we can really anticipate people pushing back against that 
Um, and we're definitely seeing it now, but I think even more so in the future. And, you know, and that's something that Instagram's really going to have to deal with because, you know, they can bring in reels, they can bring in stories and, you know, all of, you know, all these things where they're um, a little bit, you know, copycatting some of the other platforms to try to gain interest from those younger generations. But, you know, Instagram might be in trouble in the next five to 10 years because they've built a culture around the filter. And yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And how TV, you know, I, I didn't grow up with, with Vogue necessarily, but I grew up with TV that was very polished and content that was always very polished. So it's really fascinating to to hear about how authenticity can be simple as well and how it doesn't necessarily need to be overly complicated or necessarily overly thought through in order to in, in order to achieve that impact and and to reach clients and to and to get their attention and to and to for them to know like and trust you effectively i think totally. that's a really fascinating point yeah so video uh, you you touched on it there talking about about trying and you know an example um, around kind of bedtime and things but you know how important is is video in in terms of getting yourself on the screen um, and and doing so and if someone's never done it before you know, what simple tips would you suggest? So I'm, <laughs> this is always a bit of, um, it's always a bit of a, a tricky one to say to people, because I don't want to give too much tough love. But video is non negotiable, you need it, you have to have it. <laughs> like, as much people are like, yeah, like, I don't know if I can really do that. Like pictures are really like, they just work for me. Like, I fine if they're working for you now, great, they will not work for you in the next year. Like you need, you need video and you need to get comfortable wow. with video, you know, cause it will really, it will really take your business to the next level, not to mention the algorithm loves it. So I would say that everyone needs to get comfortable with video and it might take a couple of months. So get started now, you know, even if, you know, you're just filming videos with your phone and you're not posting them, you're just kind of getting comfortable. Like, Ooh, and you know, I think a lot of the time people will just really pick out and again, like I work with a lot of women, so a lot of we're, we're quite hard on ourselves, um, you know, with uh, the way that we're looking on camera and stuff. So, you know, just like even just finding the right lighting, um, there's an, an amazing and I, you know, told trying about this, but there's this amazing 70 pound Amazon ring light that just makes everyone's faces, you know, look better. <laughs> it just yeah. brings better lighting to the to the video. Um, and it really helps your confidence. So that's like, you know, one thing that I would say, if you're if you're looking to start with video, and you just feel that you look, you don't look like yourself on camera, or you, you just you're embarrassed or whatever, then that's a really good piece of equipment to invest in. Um, I would say that, you know, if you don't have a good phone, then you know, you need one, you need a good probably, you know, one of the with the better cameras you know, so I would say that's a very good piece of equipment to invest in. I mean, if you were planning on doing a lot of video, you could even get a video camera. But again, like I, I work with small businesses and budgets are tight. And I don't think you necessarily need one, you can do amazing things with an iPhone. And yes, I would just say, like, I guess, you know, top three things that you need are um, great equipment, like the equipment I just said, and, you know, a, a ton of practice, and um, and maybe just like it, it might help if you s- sat down with a, a social media manager or someone who knows what's going on in the social media world that can just send you examples so that you know how to hold yourself. So, you know how to present. Um, so, you know, to talk like, you know, about things that your audience will like, you know, because there's nothing worse than putting, you know, putting your all into a video and then posting it and it doesn't perform well. 
You know what I mean? Like it's a big blow to your confidence, but I have to tell you, it happens all the time. You know, I have, you know, like a a decent amount of followers. Sometimes I'll post something and I'll be really embarrassed because it'll perform terribly, but it happens (laughs) to everyone. It happens to everyone. So you just have to know, like, it's just, you just got to keep, keep on going. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the equipment side of things that you say there, well, once we got that ring light, it was so cool, you know, and mm. it holds the phone in the right position and you can you can amend it and all of that kind of thing. And your face yeah. is nicely, nicely bright. I've, I've spoken before about one of the early videos that I made or the early video, I think, for the book when I reached out asking for contributors. And it took me two days to record that two minute video because I was so nervous and mm. also couldn't get the angles right. You know, I remember we were we had the iPad on the, on the ironing board at first. <laughs> it wasn't how it was recorded in the end, but, but you know, but the initial setup was like, okay, let's try and position it with a heavy book behind it on the ironing board, you know, and just to have a, a piece of, of equipment like that, that will make your, you know, your face look good and you can get the angles and positioning right. It's so key to confidence, you know, I think it's a, it's a really, really good point. And certainly in terms of the content itself, I'm still amazed at which parts of my content necessarily take off and, and what doesn't. And I'm still on, on that journey myself, I must say. And sometimes it can be it can be really disappointing, as you say, when, when you've put a lot of effort into something and it doesn't get a reaction. But it's always there, isn't it? It's always there in the in the background, and it it all builds part of the portfolio effectively, even if it doesn't have that impact initially. You know, in terms of making you better and more confident as as a creator, um, and then also it's kind of depending on the platform. Of course, it, it it tends to to be there for for people to look at, and to once somebody new does find you and see they that you've got you know two three years of history then that, that kind of helps with the, the confidence and the, the no like, and trust element with a potential client as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it just, um, you know, it even helps that if you have like, you know, some, some mentors or people you really look up to, if you just like, you know, scroll to the bottom of when they first started, you can see that like almost no one gets like an amazing reaction right from the get-go because you have to build your community you also have to find out what your community wants you're just you know you're taking a stab at it and that's like that's all I ask from all of the people that I work with just try yeah no that's brilliant so what's the future for you what do you what do you see next for the business well we have a very exciting May coming up because we're moving into our first office space um so that's really um yeah that's a really um feeling very kind of like a pinch me moment actually I was like oh my gosh is this actually happening and we're working with some really cool brands this month in the beauty industry and I think we're kind of as much as I um you know love working with startups and small businesses I'd really love to work with you know some bigger clients too just to get some um uh some experience with you know working with a little in a little bit more uh, of a corporate setting and so, we're, so we have some cool projects going on there We've been shooting, uh, doing more more photo shoots. Um, so working, you know, in a studio space, and that's exciting. I'd really love to develop that side, the content creation side of the business, which, you know, we always have, but I'd like to do it in a bigger capacity. And you know, sometimes when you're working with startups and small businesses, you know, you're going over to people's homes and you're shooting in their basement, you know, and and that's just the nature of the you know the budget world. But sometimes when you're have that bigger budget to work with and you have a studio space and you can really make content come to life so that's um that's kind of an exciting thing I think that's where we'd like to go yeah I think we're you know we're we're focusing on the UK right now it's always been a dream of mine to go international and maybe have a representative in in France or maybe Canada or the US 
who could um, expand to, into those markets. Uh, it's just it's tricky with social media because it's so time zone sensitive. And, um, you know, even if I had a, a representative in the UK who was handling US accounts, it wouldn't make sense, A, because they probably just wouldn't sleep because of the time zones. They'd be like <laughs> focusing, you know, it's like, like just in terms of taking care of, you know, my team, I probably shouldn't do that. Um, but also the algorithm doesn't like it. It doesn't like it when you are based in the UK and you're posting for a US market because it'll flag it as inauthentic. It's just like it's wow. a... Yeah, it's interesting. Like I've, I've found that I've, I've tried to do, so for example, if I'm in Canada and I'm, and in my early days, I was doing the posting myself for my clients, the engagement was so much worse if I was in Canada posting for a UK account. So, um, oh, that's fascinating. It, I, never, I never knew that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you have to be a little bit careful with that. So if you're on holiday, then you, you know, there's some, there's different like apps you can buy. So you can like reroute your IP address, I think it is, or th there's, there's different ways to get around it. But like, it's, it's better for you maybe just to have someone in the UK who's posting for you while you're away on holiday, because it's uh, the algorithm will like it more. Well, just goes to show, you know, how complicated it is, isn't it? You know, in terms mm. of the, the time zone thing I was, I was aware of, you know, and there, there are certain times of the week, isn't there, that your, your audience will be more engaged or, or or more online which again needs a lot of work i understand you know but the fact that the algo won't necessarily like it if you're overseas or in a different country is yes yeah, fascinating stuff yeah it really is. yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah well we found out the hard way <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It was, um, definitely Absolutely. yeah definitely a learning curve and it's um definitely true still today and it was true you know a, a year or two ago as well so i think it's going to stay well, thank you so much uh, for, for sharing your story and so many you know, great tips on, on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. And there's four questions that I ask every guest on the show. So I, I'd love to know what's your one best piece of advice for somebody thinking about starting a business today? I think I need, I think I need to follow this advice myself. I think I know that this is the best piece of advice, but I don't, <laughs> but I, I, I struggle every day to do it. Um, but just not to worry just don't worry as much, you know, like everything's going to be, you have, you have to trust, trust yourself and trust the decisions that you're making and try to enjoy the process as much as possible. So, you know, for the first time ever since I started my business, I feel like I'm at a place where I don't need to be working from the early hours in the morning to the early hours in the evening and, you know, missing dinners with my husband and, you know, like not seeing friends. Like I feel like for the first time, 2021 has really given me that which is like, which is amazing, but I still put a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, keep on going and keep on moving forward. And, you know, and I think that I wish that I could enjoy the process a bit more than maybe I, I do because I just worry a lot. So I would say that that's my, try not to worry as, as much and try to pick out maybe a piece of, you know, something every week, like that was good. That was something really cool that happened this week and just make a note of it, you know, mentally. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice, and you know, reflecting. I think you know, in terms of yeah. reviewing reviewing what you've you've done and and picking out those highlights, you know, I, I think that is so key because it it can be so easy to just move on to the next thing, achieve something, move on to the next thing, and not you know not take that time to to enjoy success. I, I think in mm. in many respects, and the worrying side of things, in, in enjoying the process, 
it's it's funny you should say that because you know matt who i mentioned earlier in episode 25 you know he he said something similar as his best advice you know it's in, enjoy the process as an entrepreneur he said if you if you don't enjoy the process it's probably not the right thing you know and and i i think you know you, you've added uh, something on top of that as well in terms of a, a, another angle to it so yeah i, I think it's it, it's such a great piece of advice and you know to use those those tricks in terms of whether it's just writing down on a friday afternoon what have I achieved this week? You know, something mm. along those lines to take that step back to understand what your capacity is in terms of, of kind of working hours and, and, and downtime as well. I think it's so, so key. Totally. Yeah. Brilliant. So so what's what do you know now uh, that you wish you knew at the very start of your journey? I wish that I had known maybe the, the processes behind starting a business. Like, for example, like I didn't have contracts in place I didn't have any paperwork done just because I was so eager and, you know, to kind of get things going. And because social media is so fast paced, once you know things one, you know, one month, it'll change the next. So it's the sort of thing where it's like, I just didn't have time for like um, making sure I had, you know, a great accountant in place and doing And those are all the things like I actually hate doing. So I probably just (laughs) put it off. Um, But I wish that I guess I'd been more organized with everything Mm because I think a lot of the stress came from oh my gosh like I have you know a ton of demand for my product but I have to sit down today because I messed up somehow in my accounting and you know so I just I guess I just had wished that I had I feel like I leapt to step four before I had done one and two so I guess maybe I I wish I'd had maybe like a mentor or or someone who could have been like okay this is the first thing you got to do and then this is the second thing instead of kind of having to go backwards when I was really when I was really cooking in terms of sales and and client acquisition. Yeah, that's uh, it's another great point. And I think, you know, where you were in that position, that must have been incredibly frustrating when you've, you know, you had kind of client stuff to be getting on with and suddenly, you know, you have to go back and tidy up some paperwork or whatever it may be or, or get a legal review of a contract. So, you know, it's yeah. like, it, it's a distraction, isn't it? But it's all part of the package that, you know, having a having a robust and sustainable business needs, isn't it? You know, it's it all needs to be done. Yeah. And I, and I have to say one of my favorite things to do now is to kind of look at my monthly comings and goings because I faded into this beautiful system now. So I'm like religious <laughs> about looking at it. actually like for those of you out there who maybe like hate the paperwork side of things, when it does come together, there is like this beauty where it's like, ah, everything is just it's like it's like organizing your closet and like having all of like your dresses lined up in a row. There's like you don't want to do it. But once it's done, it's, you know. It's an amazing feeling. You just feel like a little bit, like everything's cleansed, you know? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so is there a resource, uh, so a book, a podcast, a website, anything like that that you'd recommend for people early on in their journey? I read a book called The Five Second Rule. I think it's called The Five Second Rule. It's for people that aren't even, you know, entrepreneurs. But I think, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, this is a really great book to have because she she talks about how basically you have to count down, you know, for things that you don't want to do, if you're feeling a little bit lazy, or if you're just not getting things done, then you would just count down for five, four, three, two, one, and you'd get up and you'd do it. So it's like, I feel that my natural, you know, before I started my business, or while I was starting my business, I put off things a lot, I'd be like, okay, well, this is what I want to do today. But I'm not going to do that accounting stuff, or I'm not going to get that contract, you know, like I'm not, because that's just not who I am. But I knew that I need to do it. And 
and she she just has this way of kind of getting you to do the things that you don't want to do and you just feel a lot better afterwards it's kind of like doing a workout you know like you don't want to do that workout but you know that afterwards you're going to feel amazing so you just get it done and I think that I still have that countdown in my head all the time it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing what that book did it really did kind of instill something in my brain Mm. where if I don't want to do something it, it will it will make me do it wow they're the best books, aren't they? The ones that, that mm. stick with you. And, you know, they're just that, just in the background, just that, that little reminder, you know, almost a little tap on the shoulder, isn't it? To say, you know, this is, this is what you should be doing and this is, this is how it can be done. So yeah, that's, that's a great tip and it's not a book I know. So it's uh, one, mm. one that I will, I will seek out myself. Yeah, I know. It's a great one. And is there a guest that you'd recommend for a, a future episode of the show? One of my very good friends, Viviane, she works in uh, fashion. She has you know, worked for LVMH and now she works for Farfetch in the, um, in the store of the future. Um, and she has a husband who's incredibly entrepreneurial um, named Toby Allen. And um, he's just like a whiz in the tech world and like a serial entrepreneur. And I think he started a lot of different businesses. And I think he'd be a really cool person to have the show. Okay, thank you. That's a really good suggestion. So I will will follow up. And and finally, if people want to learn more about you and you know potentially come and work with you and, and get you to help develop their their brand and their presence, where should they go and what should they do? Yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd love to meet any of you out there um, who who might be interested in having some social media management. One thing that I'll just say, you know, I think a lot of the re- like the reason why people like to work with us is that social media is changing every single day. Your brand probably isn't changing every day. So if you train me and you train my team in your brand, you know, it might take a week or two, maybe even a month or, you know, three months if, you know, you have a very detailed product range. But bringing someone in-house is going to be extremely hard for, for you to manage. So I think that's one of the advantages of working with my agency is that we're experts in digital, you know, and, you know, specifically in, you know, fashion, beauty, wellness, lifestyle, you know, we, uh, we make it our mission to know all of the platforms inside and out and we'll recommend which platforms are right for you. So you're utilizing the budget that you have to its greatest potential. So for example, if you're a highly aesthetic brand, like Trang's brand, Trang's jewelry brand, for example, she might want to be on Instagram and Pinterest because um, those are where her client is and she has, you know, beautiful jewelry and those are, you know, platforms for highly aesthetic brands. So that's what we offer. Um, You know, we also give, you know, really um, budget-friendly photo shoots, video shoots. Um, We have a calligrapher, an illustrator, if you want really bespoke content done. Um, we build websites, we uh, offer branding services. So if you wanted to create a logo or you needed, you know, to um, define your tone of voice or your color scheme, we also do that. Um, and we do influencer campaigns. So again, like influencers are a really tough world to navigate. And as someone who is a micro influencer myself, I, I bring that knowledge to the platform. I know what other companies are offering because I get offers all the time. So I know what what's happening with your competitors and I and I know what kind of budgets are realistic so we can kind of manage expectations together. And and I have great relationships with influencers all over the world. So, yeah, that's that's what we do. And, you know, I have an amazing team of 10 marketing geniuses who I who I'm very, very privileged and lucky to work with. And, you know, we have an in-house 
creative team and digital team and, you know, pay-per-click team. So we can help you with, with all of that. Fantastic. And what's, what's the website and, and your Instagram? Yeah, that would help. Um, so it's sophiesouthbay.com. That's my, my first and my last name.com. And um, my uh, handle on Instagram is social southmade. And um, if you want to uh, look me up personally and just drop me a DM or, you know, if you just want to connect, um, you can uh, just go to Sophie Southmade. Um, and that's my my handle on Instagram, my personal handle. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's really educational uh, today <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, what's what's out there. And, you know, how people can navigate, you know, the, the challenges of, of social media. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for thank you for having me. And um, it's been fun. It's been fun. I, you know, I, was, I always I loved being part of your book. And I love that you've you've brought it now to um, a podcast. I think that's so interesting. I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see who you interview next. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sophie. OK, bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Social media is such a tricky thing to get right in business. It can take a lot of time and effort for very little reward. But equally, if you do get it right, it can enable your business to fly. Sophie made so many great points, but I especially feel it's worth referring back to the authenticity side of things and not looking to hide behind filters and how that indeed connects to being present and being consistent. This is the 31st Tuesday in a row where I've published an episode of this podcast. And that momentum and expectation from the audience is absolutely real. Finally, her point about video, which she also made so eloquently in my book, Project Future. I know from personal experience, video doesn't come easily to many people. But hopefully the tips Sophie shared about getting the equipment right, practicing and getting examples from an expert will help you to demyth and simplify it. On next week's episode, I speak with Jane Hubbard on Solving the People Jigsaw. So subscribe now to be notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.